an Ironic Media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. All right, welcome back to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. If this podcast has been broadcasting healing vibes into your life, please follow on Apple and Spotify and leave a review. Your review helps other people find this podcast and the transformations continue. And don't forget to share this podcast with anyone you think will benefit. Let's heal together. I knew all along. I was like, I know it's going to happen. Anyone out there listening to this that is in a situation and you feel hopeless and you feel like there's no other way, sometimes just take a break, sit back, reset, and just remember why you started this journey to begin with. It's very simple, but just remember. And I tell all the women now that I'm talking to that are going through this journey, whatever you can do, try not to stress because stress is not good for you. You're not going to get the results that you want. Try not to overwork your body, like working out and all of that. Just try to do things that are going to relax you, still make you feel good because you're going to need all the energy that you possibly can if you're going through IVF. And if you're going through surrogacy, trust the process. When you meet that woman, Mm-hmm. you're going to know that she is the one that's going to be carrying your baby. Welcome to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this show, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll hear incredible stories of transformation and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for well over a decade. My connection with energy is so strong and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. All right, today on the podcast, I have Arsiak Bartanian. Yes. Okay, good, I said it right. It's a Um, mouthful. (laughs) It's an amazing name. I would love to hear what RCAC means, but I just want to introduce you. She is the founder and host of Smart is a New Sexy, an uplifting talk show and online platform aiming to highlight the power of dreaming big. And I just want to echo right back to you that spirit, the energy of this conversation is about always having hope and dreaming big. And you are, first of all, such an amazing human being because the people that you're interviewing and bringing forth these stories, I've, I've watched your YouTube channel, Smart is this New Sexy. And that is just in of itself important, but you also are sharing such a important message personally about your journey with infertility. That is not something that is easy to talk about. So anybody out there who has experienced infertility, just FYI, we're going to be talking about that in case it's triggering, but it's also, we were just laughing. We were just chatting about being moms and how hard it is. Me and my wife, we always talk about, nobody mentions how hard it is. And yes, it's wonderful to have a child. And I feel really, really lucky to have such a great kid, but it is the hardest job that you'll ever have. So we were talking about lack of sleep and I was like, don't you worry. Like anything you say, we all know you're a new mom. She just had her little girl was born in January, early January. So she's about three months old. So obviously that's a rough time for any mom. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you, Amy. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation and just share my journey and my hope 
And hopefully whoever is listening to this will take away something that knowing that if they are going through a struggle that don't give up hope. That's the biggest thing that there, where there's a will, there's a way. I know that sounds so cliche, but I know it is so true. And I can attest to that. For sure. So please start with telling us about your infertility journey. Cause I know it's been a, quite a long one, probably four or five years, right? Yeah. So my infertility journey started with my husband and I, I would say probably, I would say about 10 years ago. So we've been married six years this August, but I was a little bit older when we met, I was in my thirties and I'd been married, divorced. And my first experience with that was I didn't know I had with my first husband, I'd gotten pregnant and I'd miscarried at like three and a half months, but I didn't think anything of it. I was like, okay, maybe it's just not meant to be. This is a sign for me to get out of this relationship. I'll deal with it later. I was never one to want kids at a young age. I was always career focused. And that was my biggest thing. So when I met my husband and I knew he was the one, we moved in together and I was like, what? If it happens, it happens. It is what it is. We're both adults. We're both in a good space. We know we're going to be with each other. We don't know when we're going to get married, but that's not important at the moment. We want to, we just want to live together and be happy. So we definitely had our mishaps and I had my miscarriages and things like that. And for me, it was at that point, I wasn't, yes, it's upsetting, but it wasn't something of my concern. Again, I was career focused. I didn't really start getting serious until after we got married, it was 38 at the time we got married. And I was like, we need to really focus on what's important. And for me, like we're getting married, we need to start a family. So right after shortly after we got married, I got pregnant and I had a miscarriage. And I think I was like three months pregnant at that point, like 11, like 11 weeks pregnant. And that's when I really started looking into IVF. Cause at that moment I've heard, I heard about it, but I didn't really understand it. And that's the it's just become really big when mainstream media had started talking about it, when celebrities started talking about it, which is so sad because everyday people like ourselves, it's almost like it's bigger than us, right? When really it's us that are just trying to start a family, like a woman just wants to have kids. And so for me, I started looking into it. I went to my doctor, I talked to her about it. And that's when she had referred me to my fertility doctor and I had gone there And I went through four rounds of IVF at the time, back to back to back. And in between that, I was getting pregnant and miscarrying. So finally, my IVF doctor had said to me, you know what? You really should look into surrogacy because when I would get pregnant, I was literally from like four weeks to five weeks, I would be bedridden. Like that's how it was almost like my body would reject the pregnancy. So it was just, we did test things like that. And some things are just not explainable. There are some things that you just cannot explain why at the end of the day, for me, I was like, I don't care why at this point, I'm tired of being a scientific project experiment. I just Mm. want to have a baby. So when he had mentioned surrogacy, we started looking into it. I only knew outside of celebrities. I only knew one woman that was a close friend of mine that had did this And I had gone to her and I talked to her about it and she made me understand it. And then that's when I started to become more comfortable with the surrogacy journey. And we started with one agency and that agency was not what I expected. We ended up finding a surrogate. She was really nice. She was really, really nice. 
she ended up getting pregnant and we lost the baby at six months. She miscarried at six months and it was really devastating to me. And I was just like, I, and it was during COVID when all this was happening, I might be skipping over some parts, but we had to wait with this agency as Sometimes when you don't go with a reputable agency, a surrogacy agency, you, it could take six months, eight months to be matched. Wow. When you do find an agency that's reputable, and I don't mind saying who they are, conceivabilities. Yeah, they're great. They're amazing. They are amazing. Literally, when I got on the phone with them, they're like, after all of this had happened with that agency and the, and the surrogate and all of that. They got on the phone. They heard my concerns. They knew what was what I was looking for it was during COVID. We were like in the middle of COVID. I think it was like the summer when I finally reached out to them because I had to let things pass. This, yeah, this sure. happened in the spring. They were like, within eight to 12 weeks, we're going to match you. So then they heard my concerns. What was important? Because our first surrogate, it was just not like this surrogate. She was very on top of it. The surrogate that delivered our little girl, she had doctor's appointments. She was okay with having extra ultrasounds and conceivabilities made sure they found all of that for us. So finally, after all of this, and then we find a surrogate, the first implantation didn't work. And then finally the second one did work with our daughter. And now I have a beautiful three month old. She's almost going to be four. I can't believe I'm saying that she's almost going to be four months old. And it's just been such a struggle. And I swore going through this, that I was going to do everything in my power to help other women going through infertility issues and hopefully be able to educate them on my journey and what I went through and my experience. And that's what I've been doing indirectly. I'm talking right now to at least a handful of women that are either starting their journey, thinking about surrogacy, going through shots. How do I give myself shots? This, that, the other. And I, and I just, I, I just want people to know that it's okay for us to talk about this. It doesn't make you broken. It doesn't make you a less of a mother. If you want to go through surrogacy, it doesn't make you a less of a woman. If you can't get pregnant or you're having problems creating follicles and embryos, it's okay. And people tend to forget it takes two to make a baby. So it's not always the woman. It's not always the female. That's been my journey in a nutshell. And through it all, I never gave up hope. I mean, you can tell, uh, wow, what an incredible journey. How did you manage to keep getting up after each miscarriage and Um, going forward and charging forward? I, I I'm a big believer in faith and I, prayed a lot. And I am not like this. I'm not religious. I always say a little bit of everything. It's like salt, too much salt does, isn't good, but just enough of a sprinkle here and there makes it better. So I just kept my eye on the prize in which the prize to me was having a family in whichever way that looked And each journey that I hit and each stumble, I was like, there's gotta be an option. There's gotta be another option. There's gotta be another option. And until I exhausted all of my options, then it was like, okay, now we start to look at other things, whether it's adoption, whether it's donor egg and my husband's sperm, it was just so many things. And I said, you know what? It's a lot. And I said, at least 
I'm in a better place than a lot of other people. At least I have the opportunity, which this sounds crazy to be able to go through IVF and surrogacy because there's a lot of women that I've talked to that can't do it because their insurance, they don't have insurance. They don't have the pro they don't have the proper insurance. They don't have the proper finances to go through it. And no, you don't have to have money to go through surrogacy. No, you don't. There are options out there that you could definitely look out there to, to get the help to be able to go through surrogacy if that's your journey or IVF. But I said, you know what, I'm in a good position. Like I, I have options, so it could be a lot worse. And that's what I kept telling myself. That's an amazing mindset. That's really beautiful. So how was your, the support from your husband? I'm sure it was absolutely awful for him to have to watch you go through these marriages. Yeah, it was, that's when we started our therapy. We started seeing a therapist early on into it because I felt like he wasn't understanding. And it was through our therapy that we, he started to understand me more and be more supportive because at first it was like my family, my aunts that were always here. I'm very close to my aunts. My mom lives out of state. So my aunts were always just supporting and I had a great support system, but the one person that I wanted to support me wasn't there. And then until we started going through therapy, he started to understand, he started to say, okay, I get it. Even though there were times that I'd be like, it's your fault. One of the things that my husband never did, he never blamed me. He never blamed me. Like it's your fault. Why aren't you doing this? It was just the lack there of support but I was the one always blaming him. I'm like, oh, you're not doing this or you're not doing that or you're this or you're that. And we needed that. So it was therapy and we had to come to together and know that it's both of us. We both want this. And we have to both respect each other's feelings and emotions because yes, I'm going through it, but how does he feel? And that's one of the things as women, sometimes I think we forget how our partner feels because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's us going through it our partner doesn't understand what it is that we're going through. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. And it, but the secondarily, they are experiencing our emotions. Right. And then have to deal with that. Yeah. He's, he was supportive. And one of the things that really brought us closer together was when COVID hit and we lost the baby. It was just like one of those things that we didn't have anyone because our family couldn't come. Mm-hmm. We were in isolation. It literally happened in April. L- recently, it just passed the date that we lost the baby on. But it was just one of those things that I was like, oh my God, what do I do? I didn't know what to do when they called me and told me that. And our surrogate had to deliver and we couldn't be there. And her husband, thank God her husband was with her. Then the funeral home is calling me. And I'm like, what? I didn't, I didn't conceptualize, but I'm like, yes, this is a baby. Like you just, you, it's a baby. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a fully developed baby. So it was, it was hard, but that brought us closer together because we didn't have anyone and we couldn't communicate with our therapist and we couldn't communicate with anyone. It was just, it was just him and myself. That was when I think our relationship really strengthened too, because we're like, okay, we're both in on this. It's not any one of our faults. We're going to do this and we're going to make it happen. But through it all, he's been honestly, overall, so supportive. And whatever you want, that's what he tells me, whatever you want, whatever is going to make you happy, whatever is going to get us to where we need to go. He goes, I trust you. You make the decisions. So it's been, it's been a journey needless to say. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, this process of you being able to have faith started much 
earlier. I, I know that you were in a, a relationship that ended a marriage that ended, and you said that you were on a process of rediscovering yourself. And I assume that that helped to build this foundation of faith to carry you forward. Like you knew who you were, you were able to trust in your own intuition. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. Because coming from being married so young and then getting divorced, I got married at 23 and getting divorced at 30. I literally, my whole, my whole world came tumbling down. Like I say this, I said, I went through death, divorce, and bankruptcy all within like six months. And I literally was torn down to pretty much nothing where I felt like it was nothing. So the only person that I had to look to was myself. So I had to rediscover myself. I had to figure out what was good for me. I had to figure out what I needed, what was going to be the next step in my life. And, and if I were going to be in another marriage, who was that person that I was going to share my life with? And what is it that I need from that person? Because we all say, oh, we don't need this or we don't need that. Yes, we all need somebody and we all want, because what you need is what you want. What you want is what you need. It just, they go hand in hand. I don't care what anyone says, because it's all these memes out here with all these women that are doing their thing and you see it on social media and you don't need this and I don't need that. And I have my own. And and it's like, look, two is better than one, but it's only two is better than one when you find the right partner. Other than that. I could be on my own and damage my own self. I don't need someone else to come in and do the work, but (laughs) right. (laughs) You know, it's like, come on. But I did, I did a lot of soul searching. And one of the things that one of my best friends told me, she said one, and it's still till this day stuck with me. Her mother had said to her, surround yourself with people that have sense for you when you don't have sense for yourself. And that was so powerful. It was one of those things that even till this day, I still, I still use it and I still stand by it because not all the time we make great decisions, right? Right. So surround yourself with people that not when misery loves company, we there's more misery loves company out there. Mm -hmm. Surround yourself with people that are positive, that want more for you than what you want for yourself. And that's Mm. what I did while going through my journey through divorce and then meeting my husband and him, he, he chased me for a year. Literally, I would hang up on him every time (laughs) that he would call me and I'd be, he'd be like, let's go to dinner. And every like couple of months I'd be like, okay, I'll go to dinner with you. And then I'd hang up on him and he wouldn't see me for like months. And there was nothing between us. I would put him in my friend zone, even though he was like, he, he wasn't in my friend he would say that that he was not, but he did. And after a while, it's like, he kept breaking me down in a good way where it was Mm -hmm. like, he kept breaking those walls down. And I was like, wow, this man has an amazing heart. He means well, he's funny as hell. Like he's so damn funny. He has me laughing all the time. And what's better than to be around somebody that's going to make you laugh all the time. Mm. And finally I let him in. It was a lot still, even then, because I started feeling feelings that I hadn't felt in a long time and even deeper than my first marriage, which scared me. 
but I got through those feelings and I knew that he was the one. And I knew that this is the person that I could see myself having kids with. See, it was funny because my first marriage, I never could see that. Mm. And my second marriage, I could definitely, I was like, when I met my husband, I knew that I could have kids with him. And I knew he would be a great father and a great husband and a great provider. So it was definitely a journey getting to that. But I will say this again and again, it's just, it's, yes, it's been hard. Marriage is hard. It's not Mm -hmm. easy. And so is being a mom. It's hard, Mm -hmm. especially at my age. I'm an older mom. I'm in my forties. So it's definitely more challenging because one of the things I will say that I also discovered about myself, Amy, within the last couple of months is surrogacy. Some of the things that moms don't talk about when it comes to surrogacy, moms that are pregnant have that time to prepare, right? You Mm. have that time where you're bonding with the baby and doing that. And even though like when my surrogate was pregnant, I could feel the energy. I could feel the baby. I could feel certain things, but I was traumatized when the baby came. Literally I was traumatized and I'll explain what that means is that one day I had my freedom and I was doing everything, just getting up, going about my day. And then the Mm. next day I was coming home with a baby. And at the first week or so, it wasn't so bad, but then as the weeks and the sleepless nights, and even as I started to like certain things that I wanted to do, I felt like I can't do anymore, like pick up and go and do this. Mm. It was very trauma. It's, it's been very traumatizing to me. So I've been having to shift my mindset and my expectations of what is important, what I need to do because, and what needs to happen now. And what's the important, because I literally put a pause on my career, put a pause on everything and went into full mommy mode, Mm. which was very like shocking to me. I'd like to hear more about this through even other moms that are surrogates that have, that maybe have gone through. Cause I know I can't be the only one that was just like, oh, wow, this is like, yes, this is something you want, right? This is Mm -hmm. exact. I mean, and I wouldn't change it for anything. I love my daughter. And when she smiles and laughs, I love giving her her baths and putting her to sleep and waking up in the morning and seeing that smiling face. But there are times that it's really, really hard and traumatizing, especially just going from this to like, oh my gosh, now I'm, I'm in mommy mode. Cause I didn't, I, yeah, I went through a lot of IVF and all of that. And even right before she came, I went through another round, like literally it was so surprised. I had my retrieval on Monday. She was born on Saturday. <laughs> that's wow. why, that's why I was traumatized. Cause my body was just going through so many different changes all at once, but right, it was, it was definitely quite a shift. Well, I can tell you from my own experience that it can be traumatizing. I think just in general from having a baby, first of all, I would say just for, uh, spiritually speaking, like it's a mind, it's an identity shift, a mindset shift of like, like you said, from, from freedom to not freedom, yeah. <laughs> but also from like not mom to mom. And that that's a, that's a huge task. And, and also I can imagine that like you had gone so many years wanting this to become a reality that it almost was shocking that it was real, that it had happened, right? Like there's something to be said there when you're wanting it so badly. And then it finally arrives and you're like, wait, wait, what? And also just like, it's very traumatizing, not sleeping, I have to say. And there's a reason why they say 
Once you have a kid, it takes six years for your body to readjust from those sleepless nights in the beginning, all the the, the worry we were talking about the worry yeah you know, where you like your kids sleeping soundly and you're like trying to hear that like the littlest <laughs> breath come out of them like on top of them right yeah, like yeah no you're just like <laughs> no, no no I don't want to sleep I want to make sure that my kid's okay so uh, it's a lot I mean and that's the thing that we were joking about is that nobody talks about this but also nobody talks about how hard it can be to get pregnant and that is another like joke. I almost feel like on society at this point, because in high school, everybody's like, Oh my God, if I look at a penis or something like that, I'm going to get pregnant. But it's, it really isn't like that for most people. There are some really fertile myrtles out there, but anyway, I wanted to talk about your journey with your surrogate, because first of all, I know conceivabilities is amazing. We talked to Lacey Compton, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I just wanted to grab a blanket and a cup of tea and like snuggle up next to her so I could understand why <laughs> why she was an amazing surrogate or is an amazing surrogate because there's a specific energy to these women and they are incredible. And I can't even imagine the pressure that this woman would have been under after you losing the baby so many times. She must have felt like this is like a huge undertaking. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and definitely signing up for a very emotional journey, yeah. regardless of the end of whatever happened. I would love to hear more about how they matched you and also what your relationship is, was with her when she was pregnant and then is now. Yeah. I, I can't say enough about my surrogate. She's amazing. She is such an amazing human being, even like from the first time we matched. Cause it was again, during COVID, <laughs> you know, it was like fall of 2020 and we did a zoom call and it was just something about her, like her face. It was just so warm and inviting and her smile. And I was like, I know this is the one. And when I spoke to conceivabilities, I was, I had very specific things. I was like, I need someone that has been through this before. I need someone that is calm, obviously, but also a great personality. And I also need somebody that is going to be okay that I'm going to be asking them to do multiple ultrasounds. I need an ultrasound every three to four weeks. And that's that like, and the doctors need to understand that. The reason why I say that not to backpedal is because our six month, when our surrogate was pregnant the first time the baby died of an umbilical cord accident. So for me, that was important. And I can't say that if she would have gone to the doctor more regularly, could they have caught it? I we don't know. And that's the past. And those are things that I got through where I'm like, I'm done questioning that. But one of the most important things, that's what was important to me. So long story short, our surrogate, when they matched us with her, she was amazing. And she was so understanding. And she was under stress because she knew what we had gone through, like on her part, not like physically, but she was like, Oh my God, all I want to do is deliver a healthy baby to you. Hmm. So we had a great relationship throughout the whole process. Once we were matched, obviously I wanted to meet her when she came down to Chicago for her workup. We went to breakfast, her and I, and we talked and we got to know each other. And then we just, we communicated a lot because I asked her, I go, is communication, how do you prefer? Like, I want to know what is a lot, little, like, 
And she's like, no, I actually would want to communicate because that's important to me because, and I get it. Like people don't get it. These women are carrying a baby at the end of the day. Yes. Okay. They're doing it for somebody else, but it's still, there's still some sort of a attachment to them. It's part of Mm -hmm. them, but we had an amazing time. And sure enough, when we looked at the ultrasounds and everything else, the umbilical cord came up again. They discovered at eight months or seven and a half months that she had a dilated umbilical cord and it wasn't anything that they could do, but it was very something that to be concerning. So she went every week to get an ultrasound, sometimes twice a week. And that's what the doctors wanted. I have to say the doctors at St. Cloud hospital, that is like one of the best hospitals I've ever been to. They were amazing. Like the doctors there, her doctors, they were so amazing. They were just so communicative with me. Even me, they were just like, we'd get on the phone, the three of us or zoom or whatever it was. And we would just have conversations. They would explain everything to me. They had me as much as they possibly can feeling at ease. And I had to try to make her feel at ease too, even though deep down inside, I was on edge. I was Mm. on edge because I was so scared, but I didn't want my surrogate to feel that because she's carrying the baby. I was scared for her. I was scared for the baby. So luckily, finally, the doctor was like, you know what? We're going to pull out at 37 weeks, exactly the the day at 37 weeks. First, it was like 36 weeks and five days. Then the doctor was saying, no, 37 weeks. So they took the baby. We did a C-section. She was born five pounds, like four ounces. She was an itty bitty, tiny little thing, but you should see her now. You would think, I mean, I'm like, where does all this milk go? Like, where do you drink drink so much milk? So she's growing, she's healthy. And my surrogate was a very healthy eater. She was a very healthy eater. She was active. And you could also tell, because my baby literally at four weeks was rolling over from her stomach to her back. And now she's three and a half months. She's rolling from her back to her stomach, which I'm like, I, I, it's unbelievable, but you could tell not just with DNA, but my surrogate really took care of herself and really took care of this pregnancy. I will say that after this, she was done though. She was like, I'm done. She was like, I can't. Yeah, it was a lot. So this was her second time she had her son and then she did surrogacy. And then she did this again. And she was like, I'm done. Cause I was like, could you, would you consider doing this again? She's like, Arsac, I'm so done. She's like, I'm done. She goes, I can't. And I get it, but she was amazing. And we still communicate her and I, like we still communicate. And I said to her that when we moved to Florida, that her and her husband and her boy should definitely come and visit us and stay with us because I really, truly do like her even as a person and her family is amazing. And the night before we did the C-section, we all went to dinner. Her in-laws were in town and we all went to dinner and they're just, they're great people. And any woman that could do this for another woman, that takes a lot, or just even for another family, because I know surrogacy is to build families. So any woman that does this for a family or even just another woman, let's just say they're incredible people. Mm, They're like, they're like angels on the face of this earth. Totally agree. They're walking angels. And my surrogate is definitely a walking angel. She's just, she's amazing. She really is. I hope that we do do this again, which I'm, I want to give my child a sibling that they clone her and just give me 
a clone <laughs> version of her. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? I'd clone yeah. my son. Yeah. Oh, man, he's awesome. Um, just like clone them. Could I just have the way she ate, the way she worked out, like everything. She took care of herself. So it's, it's, really oh, you're saying important. clone the, the surrogate. I was saying, yeah. just clone the kids, give the skirt surrogate. No, I have a feeling that with our embryos, we might end up with the same, like they'll probably look like twins. There's no, because oh, wow. it's from the same, it'll be from the same cycle that I did. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. It's from the same cycle. So I don't know. We'll see, but you never know just because you have embryos. It doesn't mean that it, right. they're going to take. You just, yeah, there's so much that everyday people don't know about with the journey. Like you were saying, it's about making eggs. One thing I didn't realize is that you can produce a lot of eggs, but they won't be of good quality necessarily. So that's another issue. And then also, like you said, the sperm might not be great quality as well. It's a sperm is amazing in of itself. Like in terms of there's like four different kind, and then there's like swimmers that go after the egg and there's ones that block the area. So nothing else can get in there. There's ones that are decoys, like, and then there's another one. I can't remember what it does, but I don't know, but it's pretty, pretty amazing. I used to teach a sex ed class in high school. So yeah, high school students, that was interesting. And then, like you said, once you do have these embryos, which means that the sperm and the egg are together, they don't necessarily always implant. And so that is also part of the journey as well. And then there's also quality of like embryos, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's three, four and five and six. Yeah. You have three, four, five, and six. And then you have A, B, C, and then you have B, B, and then you have A, B, and then you have B, A. It's like so many different things and variables that, you know, go into making an embryo and having the most genetically healthiest of healthy embryos. And there's embryos that are considered threes that will make a baby. And there's embryos that are considered fives that are supposed to make babies that don't make babies. So it's Mm. like, like you said, it's all just, it's, it has to be, everything has to be one, not just scientifically, but also it just, it's faith and hope and divine timing. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't care what anyone says. That's exact. Like there's only so much science can do. Right. 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 And I know, I know women who've gotten pregnant, who they said they would never get pregnant. I know. And and that happens also a lot with women who go for adoption. Women that were supposed to get pregnant, that can't get pregnant women that go for adoption. Yeah. And also women who supposedly progesterone is really important, right? That's based on science, but I also know women who had no progesterone basically and got pregnant and had a healthy baby. There's something to the divine nature of a baby coming into this world. And I do agree that these women are, that are angels on earth that are carrying these, these babies. But I got to thinking about this whole idea of surrogacy. And I was thinking like, you're a surrogate and I'm a surrogate of hope for other people. Like we hold hope. And you were talking about that, like have people surround you who can see the future and hold it for you when you can't. And I feel like coaches do that. We do that. By sharing our story, we're helping other people to have that hope. I, that was really pretty amazing when I realized that. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's so true though, Amy. Like if you think about it and you think about the hope that what else do we have to hold on to? You can't just hope and throw something in the air, right? And hope that, no, I mean, we're hoping, but we're also doing the work behind it too. And just keeping the faith that, you know what, it's going to happen but I'm doing necessary things to be able to do that. Some people think, oh, I'm just going to hope this happens. No, it hope takes action behind it. 
you can't just miraculously hope. It's not like some fairy dust that you sprinkle and we're going to hope that this is going to happen. No, we live in a real world. So there are certain things that you have to do as a woman that if you want to start a family and if there's all kinds of things that you've done and you've seen all sorts of doctors and you've gone through IVF and you've done the diets and, and all the supplements and everything else that you could take and the acupuncture and the massages and everything else that goes in, just know that that might not be your journey. Your journey might be, like you said, either surrogacy or adoption. Just know that if you want to start a family, there's so many different options, or maybe it's not yours. Maybe it's like a DNA, like a a donor embryo that you get, but then you have just because it's not your DNA does not mean that you can't be a mother. I mean, we mother dogs and cats and animals. (laughs) I was thinking about that the other day. Yeah. We mother, I'm a mom to two Yorkies before I was a mom to my daughter. And they're still very much in my life. And I still take care of them. People are like, oh, you push your dogs aside. Well, I'm not kissing them and hugging them 5,000 times a day like I normally do, but I snuggle with them when Valentina's napping. So my, my motherhood never stops because I still have to tend to my dogs. I can't just put them to the side. I call them my fur babies. I don't even refer to them as my dogs. I say fur babies. (laughs) I call them girls. I'm like my girls. People are like, how many girls do you have? I'm like, I have three, I have two fur babies and I have one human being. (laughs) I'm I'm a dog person too. I am. And, and yes, you do love them as if uh, they are a family member. And And that's why they say when you lose a pet. It is like losing a very close relative. Uh, it is. They are amazing. You're amazing. Thank you for sharing your story. It is not easy to talk about such heartbreak. I'm curious, like now that everything had the dust has kind of settled, sort of. <laughs> I know yeah. it's like new new storm growing, right? Like yeah. you know, brewing, you're moving <laughs> and you have a three-month-old. But when you were going through that process, did you always know that it would work out? Yeah, I did. I knew it was going to work out, right? Yeah. I knew it was going to work out. I knew that it was going to happen. There was no way that it was not going to happen. Now, after my first baby, after Valentina, I didn't know what's next. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And I've literally laid out every option in my mind and have shifted my mindset. But I know I knew it was going to happen. And the reason why I knew it was just because I just, it was just that gut wrenching feeling that I knew that I was going to have. And I pictured it. I would literally walk around picturing holding my child, my baby, and just knowing that she's going to be mine. And I won't forget, I'll never forget the day at the hospital when we were in that operating room, when they pulled her out and she was wailing to the top of her lungs. I was like, oh my God. At first I thought, is this baby going to be a NICU? Cause she was so tiny. Cause the doctors were female. So their hands weren't that big. So when they held her, I was like, oh my God, what a tiny little baby. But she was wailing and I'll never forget when they put her down to clean her off. And I walked over there and she's wailing and I started talking to her. It was like, she knew I was her mother and she was just quiet. And then they put her on me and she was just quiet. And then I started just crying, but it was wailing. 
I was just like, it was just almost like a sign of relief of anxiety that all of everything had just left my body. Mm. It was just such an experience that I was just, oh my God, I can't believe I'm holding my baby. I'm in disbelief Mm. that she's here and she's mine. Like Mm -hmm. six years, seven years, eight years. I don't even know. My husband starts it at 10. We've been together longer, I guess. Yes. 10 years that we've been wanting to have a family and it's just finally happened. So I knew, I knew all along. I was like, there's no way I was like, I know it's going to happen for the, anyone out there listening to this, that is in a situation and you feel hopeless and you feel like there's no other way. Sometimes just take a break, sit back, reset, and just remember why you started this journey to begin with. That is great advice. It's very simple but just remember. And I tell all the women now that I'm talking to that are going through this journey, whatever you can do, try not to stress because stress is not good for you. You're not going to get the results that you want. Try not to overwork your body. Like I know like working out and all of that, just try to do things that are going to relax you still make you feel good because you're going to need all the energy that you possibly can. If you're going through IVF. And if you're going through surrogacy, trust the process. When you meet that woman, Mm -hmm. you're going to know that she is the one that's going to be carrying your baby. You're just going to know. It's going to be one of those things that you click with. Yeah, I have to agree. When I was speaking with Lacey, actually it was after the conversation, I walked away and I was like, would I still feel comfortable with someone else carrying my child? And I never, ever thought I ever would, but I was like, I'd let Lacey do it. Yeah. And if Lacey is the kind of caliber at conceivabilities, I can understand how women can just trust the process. There is just this divine energy around it and around them. Like, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I think that people need to stop watching lifetime movies. (laughs) about surrogacy. No, I'm not kidding. I didn't know that. Is it horrible? They do. They have it. Cause somebody had several people have said stuff to me. I said, if you go with a reputable agency, you have to go with a reputable agency. Don't look at price. Don't look at this. Know that this is going to be your child. It's your, it's your baby. Like it is your baby. You have to go with someone that's reputable. There's so much screening that goes into it. They screen the hell out of everyone. Even us as parents, they screen us too. They make sure we're psychologically right. They make sure that background checks, all of that, like it's on both ends, but just trust the process. And most of these women that are doing this have already had their own kids or have a child. Most of all of them, because I know that's one of the requirements at conceivabilities. And I know that was one of the requirements at the other agency that we worked with too. So they, in order to be a surrogate, you have to at least have had one of your own. So that don't worry about that. This woman's going to get pregnant and take away your baby. Hmm. There are attorneys involved, contracts involved. There's so much that's involved and just know, trust the process the things that you want, there's certain things that it's important to you. Like you want this person to eat organic. And if she doesn't already, then you can allocate for certain things like that. Financially, there were certain vitamins that I wanted mine, but she was, mine was just whatever I said, she just did. 
I know? feel like all of them are would be like that. I just feel I, like they're just a really special kind of person. They are. And I and I have to say, my last surrogate, she was she was good too. She's a very good person. But then this surrogate that carried our baby was on another level. Wow. And I say that and she knows I even wrote about her on my social media. I asked her, you know, if it was okay that I can write about you and at least post a picture of us. And she was like, yeah, absolutely. The care, she was on top of it, like more than me. She would be telling me, listen, we have this, 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 this. I was like, oh my God. And not only that, I'll tell you this, because I've heard it because my night nurse had said this to me because my night nurse has been doing this for 25 years and we've talked about different things and she's worked with parents that have had, that have gone through surrogacy and she's gone to hospitals with parents to be there to pick up the kids and to help them and so on and so forth. And when I was telling her conceivabilities, I literally didn't have to think about anything. Literally walked into the hospital, my husband and I, we had a room next to our surrogate that was already set up. That's so nice. Had someone come in the next day after the baby was born, fill out all the paperwork that you have to fill out for the birth certificate and all of that. And we literally, when it was time to go 48 hours later, they discharged us because every, the baby was healthy. Everyone's doing good. We walked out with the baby and there are times that we didn't have to file anything. They did everything for us everything. And I have not heard that with other agencies. Really? Yes. I did not hear that with other agencies because I've talked to my night nurse and even the agency that we worked with prior to conceivability. So I have something to compare to. Right. Right. Yeah. I love that you're out here talking about all of this. It is, it's definitely not a topic that comes up in everyday conversations. So people need to seek it out. And yeah, for you to be such an open book is such uh, a blessing for people who are going through this because a lot of people do go through this and it's actually increasing the amount of people needing IVF or fertility treatments is getting greater. And if you're out there and you're thinking of surrogacy, you should definitely reach out to conceivabilities and, and have them screen you to see if you would be a, uh, a good surrogate and what a blessing to bring to families. If you can do that. I mean, I would, I, I know I look young. I'm actually 42. Oh, well then I beat you. I'm 44. Carry a child um, <laughs> for anybody other than maybe myself, but I, I honestly wish I could have done it. And I was going to do it for my older sister, Holly. But again, there was a concern of like, you need to have your own first. Right. And I was young at the time and I couldn't do that. So there's a lot that goes into it. And if you're out there and you are struggling with infertility, I just, as a biohacker, I want to mention that there are specific genes that can um, influence your ability to carry and definitely look into the MTHFR gene and uh, some supplements that you might be able to use. And, and definitely stress always is, is a uh, part of the journey, regardless of how you're doing it. So just managing your stress is really important. Yeah. Do you have anything else to share with everybody? No, I just, this has been great, Amy. Thank you so much because I've even learned some things from you too. And as you said, just to echo, if you are going through infertility and you're listening, you're hearing this, or you've gone through it and you've gone through this journey, just talk about it. There's so many women out there that just need to hear it. And for the women that are out there passing judgment on other women, because like you said, they're fertile myrtle or whatever, don't do that. It's not nice because at the end of the day, we're all headed on this journey and all we want are the same results, but we're getting there in different ways. And that's all that matters. 
this has been a great conversation and very informative and very enlightening. And also for me, therapeutic, because when I talk about it, it also helps me. If you're out there, just go for it. Whatever your journey might look like, whether it's IVF, surrogacy, just go for it and just seek out the most professional help. I know I'm a big fan of conceivabilities because of the things that I've gone through. And trust me, I think that they're great and I would use them again. But I also say, talk to a couple of other people just so you could be able to compare and see if you're thinking about surrogacy. But if that's your option, go for it. Trust me, you will not regret it. Right. And if you have a huge dream, otherwise go for it, like stay focused on where you want to be. And, and like you said, reset and step back. If it's not going well, reset and just remember why you started the journey and then go from there. You have a website. It's rcx.com. And yes. you're also on Instagram. Your Instagram is absolutely beautiful. You are beautiful. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Super, super smart is the new sexy. Definitely all over that Instagram page. You're also on Twitter. And you have this online platform where you have a talk show. So smart as a new sexy. Yeah. So you can find it. It's so easy. It's just rcac.com. Literally, if you Google rcac, it's, it will come up because I'm only a one. I think I'm one of the few rcacs out there. So yeah. What does it mean? (laughs) It's Armenian. I was named after my grandmother, my dad's mom. And it just means the biggest star in the sky. So I know, right. When I found that out, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, you are a star. I do believe that you are a star. I mean, and I do think that maybe you might be the perfect person for somebody to be speaking about this journey because you do it so eloquently and you're, you're capable of sharing from your heart about the journey and definitely giving people hope because your journey was exceptionally hard and yet you're still on the other side and still okay. Yeah. You will be okay. Whoever's going through this and you feel like you're not, I promise you, you will be okay. Just seek out help. Talk to professionals and talk to some of your trusted, closest family friends because you need to let it out. Everybody needs an outlet. So, Amy, this was honestly so nice. Thank you so much for having me. If ever you need anything, like I said, I'm here. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank uh, you. And thank you for being such a bright star in this world. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Amy. All content provided by Amy Stark and or her guests on the Stark Transformation Show, website or other platforms, including text, images, audio or other formats, are created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist.